Welcome back to Cosmic Soup. Thanks for tuning in to part two of our conversation with Derek Dujardin. In part one, we talked about how creative thinking can help with your ROI. Now sit back and listen as we discuss COVID-19 and Derek's thoughts on pivoting for productivity and positivity. So we're going to pick up right where we left off last time. Here we go. Yeah, let's let's kind of shift gears a little bit then. You know, we've talked about kind of what you are, what you do, and kind of how the industry is historically and normally right now. But, you know, if we're going to talk about the elephant in the room, as as we all have uh, started to call it, it's COVID-19 is really kind of changing the landscape of the way that we do business, not just our industry and our businesses, but kind of, you know, worldwide. So in your opinion, how was the state of senior living advertising pre-COVID and how is it different today overall? Well, um, okay, so I break that apart into two questions. I mean, two parts, right? So um, I think overall, as, as, as an industry went, we were, of course, selling lifestyle and we were, you know, there's lots of things that we're doing. Um, but overall, I, I think there's a lot of grayscape. I think there's a lot of what I call lazy advertising out there where people uh, think that the only way you can sell uh, a senior living community is by showing pictures of seniors or showing pictures of buildings. And then maybe they'll show a picture of seniors wearing funny glasses and they think that counts as being creative. Uh, we <laughs> take approach where I, I, you know what I mean? And, and if you look at the ads that are out there, uh, Bill Maher did a really funny uh, piece on this about a year and a half ago where he he shows these ads side by side and one's a Viagra ad and one is a reverse mortgage and they're using the same stock photography because I don't know which one I should be more excited about Viagra or my reverse mortgage or, you know, retirement living or, uh, in, you know, uh, you know, absorbent diapers, you know, and, but they use the exact same imagery and they always show people with gray hair when, what we actually know is that most people will dye their hair and most people feel like that they're not really represented. Um, their, their age group's not really being represented uh, for older Americans in advertising. So it, it's really at the disservice of, of what's going on, I think, in, in, the, in, in the industry. And, you know, for us, you know, we also use metaphors. We like to, you know, like I talked about earlier, the mermaid, um, there, there's a way that you can use, you know, images like a mermaid or peacock or something like that, that, that I call getting the hundred, I call like, you know, hundred percent of the eyeballs. You should really go for getting a hundred percent of the eyeballs and then let the reader figure out if this ad is for them. So do something that's imaginate and uh, imaginative, that's creative that's also relevant. It can't, you can't do something that's completely out, unrelated to what you're selling, but you can find that, that thread that's, that's related to it. And with that said, you get 100% of the people to look at that ad, like they'll look at that mermaid and they go, wow, that caught my attention. They read the ad and they go, oh, it's for seeing a living, not for me. Well, if you got 100% valuables, you're also going to get that 5% that is your target audience. So um, I think it works really well to shoot for that versus what the industry does now is they try to shoot to get just that 5%. They think that the, that the people that are seniors are just looking to read their ad. And the truth is they're looking to ignore that ad, right? Um, so 
you want to basically, you know, I call it eyeball bait, do things that are going to catch people's attention, have them engage with that ad, and then decide whether it is for them um, and self-select whether they're going to, you know, follow up on it or not. But don't start with the lowest common denominator and expect that that's going to be successful. Um, so anyways, that's that's how things it are and will be again, uh, you know, in, in, in the industry. Um, yeah, I'm a little bit on my soapbox here because uh, I'm passionate about this stuff. But the other <laughs> thing, too, with, with COVID-19, you know, we have to now talk more about security, I think. Um, and the message that we're doing and we're going out to the communities is that, that uh, the, our community is the best place to be right now. That's kind of like the core message, and there's lots of ways to say that, but that's kind of like the core message that you that you can build on. Uh, people are a little freaked out. You know, there's shortages of food. They know that they they're afraid that if they if something happens, and they twist their ankle, if they go to the emergency room, they're going to die from you know COVID nineteen. Um, so a lot of people don't have help any longer because, you know, maybe they aren't getting home visits because those home visit people might be infected with COVID-19. So the idea of being in the community, um, it, it feels feel safe. You know, they're not going to run out of toilet paper. You know, they're going to have food. You know that they're going to, uh, you know, if something happens to you, you get sick, not even with COVID, but, you, you know, something else happens. There's going to be somebody there to help you and you won't necessarily have to go to the hospital. You can be treated on site. Um, versus, you know, so I think that's where, um, where, you know, what's going on and with our, our pivot program is, I guess that that's kind of like the big pillar of it that we want to talk about. But then the individual parts of that is, you know, how do you get people to engage if they can't come into a community, they can't do an event or do a tour or something like that. So we're putting together a lot of um, webinar presentations that, that are, interesting on their own uh, that are really well crafted and well messaged that then salespeople can use that as a, as an online virtual tour. Uh, they can do a virtual tour and then they can do um, an informational uh, content. And we're also doing gated content, which are eBooks that are related to that. And they, they might be something like, you know, nine uh, financial tips for moving into a life plan community or they might be how to design your life, um, like life coaching in your later years. Um, we're doing other ones that are like premium content, such as um, an animal communicator, somebody that can come in and teach people how to communicate with their animals, um, like telepathically. It's pretty cool. I actually know this woman, and, and it seems to work. Um, anyway, so you know, we're doing some fun stuff like that, and then. Uh, and, and, and then also, you know, we're really recognized that there's fundamentals that need to be done for a website. Uh, there's a lot of things that people have assumed are okay. And maybe in the past, it was okay to leave, lose 10%, 20%, 30% of your leads because you had enough volume and you were still able to make your numbers. But now that's unacceptable. I mean, every lead should be precious. And so we want to help them plug those holes where are those leaky buckets um, in their marketing? So we go in there and, and do a site audit, make sure there's nothing that's that's leaking that we can plug up. And then, of course, like I said, we want the gated content to draw leads in. And um, and then once people become uh, you know a lead, how to nurture those leads um, so they 
end up uh, buying and, and, and leasing. Yeah, that's uh, that's a lot. I mean, there's just so much happening. And so clearly the way that that you and I mean, our company, of course, but but you personally, you've really kind of taken your outside of the box thinking and applied that tenfold to kind of say, okay, listen, this is where we are now. We have to focus now into a different set of areas because what was previously the focus doesn't really apply to today's times. We'll get back to it, but right now we need to figure out for everybody how we can make the most of the situations that are presenting themselves to us right now. Yeah, exactly. You said it exactly right. You know, I mean, it goes back to, I've been, I've been reading a lot of um, stoic philosophy uh, from like the, you know, the Romans and, but one of the things that they, they like, they invented that it's not what happens to you. It's what you do with it. it. That whole idea is that it's not, you know, you can't control anything in the world except for your reaction to that thing. And I think um, that's where we need to be, be sitting as, as advertisers and companies, like what can we have control over? And we do have control over how well we, we funnel those leads through. Uh, we have control over, uh, you know, our social media, we have control over certain things. Um, you know, we have control of whether we decide to continue marketing during this time or not. I think a lot of these communities are making a mistake by, by stopping their marketing like they just decided, well, you know, no one's buying, so we we aren't going to market. Well, the truth is there are people that are buying right now. There are people that are moving into communities right now because they're scared and they know that they need to sell their house and they, they better move so they can sell their house quicker. And so if you're not marketing right now, you're losing out on that. Um, and at the same time, there will be a recovery. I don't know if, it, how, if it's going to be two years from now or two months from now. I mean, something could happen. You know, there could be a breakthrough through tomorrow and we may be fine come the fall or this could be, you know, go on for two years or three years. Either way, you know, the, the science is pretty, pretty um, strong on this, that if you market during the recession or even the depression, they, there, it goes back to the old Kellogg's versus post-serial uh, battle. So uh, post-serial led the market prior to uh, 1929. And then Kellogg was kind of a nobody, right? But they continued to create products, they continued to market. And during the depression, they actually, their profitability was like, they grew like 30%. Their profitability was much higher than post. And then when there was a recovery that happened, they just you know, beat post by leaps and bounds because they had already been taking that time to innovate and to keep marketing. So when people had money, they knew where to go. Um, I think if you wait until the economy recovers, it's too late. I think by then, um, it's, 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 other people are going to beat you to the punch and there's going to be pent up demand. And, uh, you know, I think the, the ones that are continuing doing that, doing the marketing, doing the advertising, doing the outreach, sending direct mail, being in contact, they're softening the ground for that recovery time. So, yeah. Well, when people are ready, they will already have the solution in place. They'll know right where to go. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think that's where a lot of people talk about their branding and they think, I tell them, hey, this is the time to get your brand ready. You don't have to launch it until the recovery, but get it all done and get it all in the can where you know what your ads are going to be and your direct mail and, you know, uh, your logo is going to be all that. And then when the recovery happens, 
and it's the roaring 20s again, you hit the the airwaves and uh, the internet and the newspaper with this brand new brand, it's going to do a really great job for you. So don't wait until the recovery and then go, oh, I need to put together a brand because it's going to take you six months and then you might miss your window. Do you think that senior living organizations still need both a digital and a traditional advertising campaign? Um, not anymore. I think that might have been true like five years ago. Um, and it really was probably smart back then to do, to have that 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 specialty. Uh, but what's happened in the industry is there's been a real democratization of the tools. Uh, what used to be in the digital agencies uh, repertoire, they had, you know, the, these kind of inside scoop on the Google Analytics and they knew all the ins and outs. All that's been pretty much, as I said, um, you know, flattened where anybody who is a Google partner who has been looking at this stuff, who has the tools, knows what to do. And because of that, there's not nearly that. You don't need the expense of having both. And also, if you still have a traditional advertising agency that doesn't have a really good digital department, they're probably doing something wrong. So um, the thing is, is that uh, people should have adopted that by now and now that they have adopted it people are getting very good at it in both traditional and digital and i think in we're going to see a real shrinking of the digital um agencies in the future because digital agencies are are they're really good at the digital stuff they're not very good at ideas they're not really good at creative they're not really good at branding and and so they think that they can get by by the technology but once everybody has the same technology um it you know it's kind of like uh Let's say they have it's like the printing press. Okay, you're the only guy in town with the printing press. All right, that that's great. But now once we have two printing presses, it's not about who has a better printing press. It's about who has the better ideas at the printing, right? So I think that's where it kind of comes back to is who's generating the best ideas that are going to work both for a digital platform as well as in traditional media. That's a that's a pretty good perspective, pretty good insight. Uh, you know, only time will tell kind of uh, how we choose to continue on forward. But I, I am definitely optimistic that things will get back to normal at some point. And those that are prepared by the time that that uh, time rolls around, they're going to be the ones that come out ahead of the gate. So uh, some some good advice there. Now, my friend is the time that I'm going to ask you Cynthia's favorite questions. Are you ready for this? Is this what I'm wearing? Is that what? No. <laughs> <laughs> what are you wearing, Derek? <laughs> I know T-shirt. what you're wearing. You're wearing a yeah, stylish checkered suit that nobody else could ever <laughs> get away with wearing but you. <laughs> uh, you know, it's so funny. So I bought a bunch of brand new clothes because we were going to be doing so much traveling and pres- presenting this year that I went all yeah. out, bought a bunch of a whole new wardrobe, and then COVID-19 happened. It's like, I got all these great suits and everything I've been wanting to, to rock out to. And, and uh, so my, my wife and I have started this thing where, um, like, you know, we haven't done it every week, but the idea is every once a week we dress up. We dress yeah. up in our in our house and we we have a dinner that we've made or we ordered out and we have a nice dress up dinner just so we can see each other you know and and you know makeup and everything else so yeah it's kind of it's kind of fun you know so anyhow 
that I could totally see you guys doing that. (laughs) (laughs) What was the question? The question was, we hadn't gotten there yet, sir, but the question is, (laughs) okay, so what are three things that senior living providers can do starting today that will make a difference in the lives of their residents? Uh, One of our clients is doing this really cool thing. They're doing Margarita Mondays. And they're mm-hmm. basically delivering margaritas around to the different rooms. And they're doing like really cool stuff, like engaging them in ways that they call um, distant socializing instead of social distancing. So I think that would be something because, I mean, once people are, it's kind of like my asshole's hierarchy of needs. Okay, once you get the bottom of the pyramid taken care of, like safety and security and food, um, you know, people need self-actualization and love and connection. And I think they're really good at sort of the bottom part of the pyramid. And then how, you know, how do they take care of the the upper part of it? Um, So that the other thing too, I I, food is really important. My dad is at a. He's at an independent living uh, community that we'll go nameless right now in Seattle um, that I'm not too happy with. But they, they're they doing the, the delivery of the food to the rooms. And the food was bad before, but now it's gotten even worse. And my dad's a diabetic. He doesn't. He needs to always be eating enough calories each day. Um, and uh, so I think just having better quality of food uh, is really important. Um, and then, boy, the third thing. What would be the third thing? Um I think um, if there was a way to really kind of bring um, um, like family in, in a way that was safe, I don't know how that would work, but kind of like the old cone of silence that they did at Maxwell Smart, something where you could sit across from somebody and have a great conversation. Kind of like, you know, when you go to a prison and you have the, the <laughs> I wasn't going to say it, but that's what was <laughs> yeah, popping up in my yeah, head. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> but, but, but let's, if there's a way we can do it without making it feel like you're in the prison, but that idea that, you know, you can't necessarily touch, but you, you can really see each other um, would be really, really great. If there's a way that we could do that and, and bring that, that the people back in that, that can be and have that, connection um i don't know where you can hug somebody yeah you know i you know and i'm this is where i get to go crazy you know that's where my mind goes but i kind of think about you know when you you have those incubators and those babies and you have and and you have like like a, a suit on and you can both put on a suit and you can hug each other with a suit on or something like that um so you can at least touch i think that that's really missing for people right now is that that yeah. physical touch um, I know I'm, I miss hugging people. I'm a big hugger. So I can't wait to get back to that. Yeah. Well, those are three awesome things. I think, uh, I would love to see people in the huggy suit. Not going to lie. That'd be kind of cool. Um, <laughs> <laughs> if you could wave the magic wand, Derek, and create your own dream community, anything you want, nothing off limits, craziest concepts come to your mind. What would your community look like? What would it consist of? Yeah, I've actually thought about this um, because, you know, I thought about for my dad. My dad's an artist and he's a writer um, and he's now 83 um, and super creative, talented guy. I think I get a lot of my stuff from him. And uh, what I would love to see is like an artist colony. And, And what I would like how that would look 
if you bring people in who are maybe younger and maybe when I mean younger, maybe they're in their early seventies. Okay. But then they've had a career, they've had an artistic career of some kind. And part of their room and board is that they teach classes and, it, and you have like a faculty of, of you have somebody that does pottery, somebody that does uh, textiles, somebody that does poetry and writing and video work or, um, you know, uh, just, you know, painting, you know, watercolors. And and you have these, and, and everybody who wants to be in this community are into that that art. They're, they're, they're artistic people. They want to experiment with different art forms. Um, and, and not just, oh, let's do collage, something that is, or let's do coloring books, you know, which, but, but real, real art. And then part of that would be, people could take that art and then they could sell it. There would be like a, a kind of like a showroom or an art gallery and there would be different, different exhibits. And there would be an area where different presenters would come in and talk about their form and their media. Um, so kind of like, almost like, like a mini art school college that, that um, would then, you know, people would, 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 enroll live there and it would be you know really part of it and then uh, they would they would also have other groups that could come in they could bring kids in that that could teach and and you know experience art so that's something that i would love to see created um i believe there's a, there might be something similar to that in in san francisco there's a there's a group that does something like that but i'd like to see more of them i also have an idea I mean, I can give you two communities. That's how creative I am. Not just one community, but two communities. Uh, the, second, <laughs> the second community would be uh, an animal kind of like, um, you know, almost like a humane society thing where part of the community would just be like the humane side. The other part would be, you know, assisted living, independent living. But then, um, you know, if you move in, it's like you can't be allergic to cats and dogs because – Cats and dogs are going to be everywhere and you can then go to the kennel part of it and, you know, love on the animals and groom them and give them baths and help with the medications and, you know, do all that, um, you know, uh, help with the adoptions. And so to me, communities that come together that, that have a central purpose to them beyond just, okay, we are going to house people and make them comfortable. Okay, that's fine. But I think communities that give people purpose are really, um, that's what's gonna, you know, define the next generation. And that's what people are really longing for. And that's what I want to live into. I want to live into a, a place where there's like, um, there's something that, 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 that gets me up in the morning, that gets me excited. And I'm, 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 I'm part of, uh, of, um, of something bigger than myself, you know, there's a reason why I'm here. I'm not just taking up space. Yeah. No, the, the defining the purpose I think is, is crucial. It's a, an element that I think doesn't really get vocalized as articulately as you just did. Uh, I, I think people definitely want to feel like it's more than just a place to live. I need to find something that gives my daily life a meaning, a purpose, something to look forward to besides just wake up, eat, go to bed. So yeah, cool stuff, dude. Appreciate that. Hey, I want to add one more thing. Um, this is something that I've been, been thinking about. So there's a, there's a doctor that called Victor Frankel and he, 
he lived through a Nazi concentration camp and he developed this philosophy of life that was also called logotherapy, which means meaning therapy, if you break out those two words. And his whole thing is that, you know, you can survive anyhow if you have a big enough why, right? And that happiness you can't pursue happiness. Happiness ensues from leaving, living a, a meaningful life. So um, I would really like to develop a, 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 a um, I guess it would be kind of a curriculum that uh, we could bring into senior living communities that talk about what is my meaning now that a lot of meaning has been stripped away from me. Because we used to have meaning from, uh, well, it was meaningful because I was there for my kids. I was meaningful because of my grandkids. Oh, I was meaningful a bit because of my job or my career, or I had a hobby or I volunteered. But as you get older, a lot of pruning happens, and there tends to be not that that there's a hole left there. But what Victor Frankl talks about is challenging us to to find that meaning that every life is is asked to uh, define that, and it's not just one meaning. It's not like what's the meaning of life. It's kind of like saying what's the best move in chess? It doesn't really, you know, there's no such thing as the best move in chess. It depends on what's going on with the pieces on the board, right? So I think having something like that, that people start to engage with uh, as, they, as, they, as they find their meaning, I think would really help um, with later life for a lot, of, a lot of folks. And I want to develop some sort of curriculum like that. I don't know when I'll have time to do it, but it's a, it's a passion of mine. Yeah. Well, uh, I support you in that endeavor. That sounds absolutely epic. So, and speaking of epic, it has been absolutely epic having you on the show today, sir. So thank you for stopping by virtually anyway and letting me pick your brain for a little bit. Oh, it's been a pleasure, my brother. Yeah, I really enjoyed this. So um, thanks again. And um, I don't know how long we've gone, how this is what it did a four hour interview. I, uh... <laughs> Even if it was a four hour interview, that's not nearly enough time to absorb all of those amazing tidbits of awesomeness that Derek provides to the universe. Speaking of awesomeness, you, that's right, you, the listeners, are also so full of awesomeness, I am almost at a loss for words. Well, almost. And you know what would be super awesome? If you sent an email to CosmicSoup at 3rd3rd.com and left us some feedback, some questions, and or some comments. And don't forget to follow Third Third Marketing on social media as well. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn at 3rd3rd marketing and on Twitter at 3rd3rd underscore MKTG. So thanks again for listening, and we'll talk to you soon on Cosmic Soup.